Welcome back to another episode of Uncorked. Today we jump on the mic with Mandy King. Admittedly, here we are at the end of 2023, and I recently attended the latest Disrupt HR event. No longer hosted by Tim Corker, it was very exciting to attend an event as an attendee and under the tutelage, if you will, of the new leaders of this event. They chose Mandy. They chose Mandy King to speak about health in the workplace, about how food can impact our days, and at what point in time do we start caring about the protein and the quality of calories that we are consuming during the day if we really do expect the best out of our people at work. It was a bit of a controversial subject for me because I had to pause and say, at what point is this a manager's responsibility and when is it a human's responsibility? And the spoiler is that Mandy had me shift my perspective to say, What if we are the ones that care and it doesn't matter about our title or our relationship and we have the opportunity to bring out the very best in the people that we get to spend at least eight hours of our day with. I was inspired and I was grateful for Mandy to say yes. So I hope you enjoy this one. Mandy King, welcome to the pod. I'm so grateful you said yes. Thanks for having me. I really love starting these right now. I mean, my own intro comes before this. Will you tell us who you are and how do you like to be introduced in 2023? Sure. Uh, So my name is Mandy King. Um, I'm a holistic nutritionist and the founder of HEAL Wellness. And HEAL stands for Healthy Eating and Living. So I um, spend most of my days working on the corporate wellness programs that we do through HEAL. So we run customized done-for-you wellness programs for organizations that are looking to support their employees' mental health. Maybe they're struggling with employees that are burnt out, super fatigued. Maybe they're looking for team building opportunities, or they just want to be an employer of choice and take really good care of their employees. Um, And Mm. so I spend a lot of my day thinking about uh, what people are eating and how what they're eating is supporting their mental health. I think there's been a lot of chat about mental health in the last four or five years, but we're not often talking about how what we eat influences our mental health. A lot of my time thinking about that and and motivating and empowering employees to make better choices around their food so that it supports how they feel. Mm, I love that. I want to jump back and say, how or when did you start caring so much and so deeply about what we put into our bodies? Yeah. So like a lot of people in the health world, I went through my own health struggle. (laughs) So I had never had anything wrong from a health perspective. And I graduated university actually with a business degree. So nothing to do with health and wellness at the time. And between university and starting my first job in the corporate world, I backpacked through Southeast Asia and I contracted a parasite, which actually now that I've talked about it, it sounds or I hear that it's actually quite common for people, because it's different ways of storing food, different water, but no one could diagnose me with what was wrong with me at the beginning. So I was having severe digestive issues. Um, I had lost a lot of weight, I was so fatigued. I was just having a really hard time keeping up with the day to day. And I was 21 at the time. So like I should have had so much energy and, you know, been taking on the world. So I went to my doctor and I said, diagnose me, what's wrong with me? And he listened to me and he was like, oh, you're just stressed. You know, you just started a new job, moved to a new city. It's just stress Um, and your digestion. That's just IBS. And you're just going to have to live with that. And that was a pretty disappointing diagnosis to receive at the time. But, you know, he was the doctor. He knew best. It started to get worse and worse and worse. And eventually my mom booked me 
me in. She was, she was really worried about me. <laughs> so she booked me in with an alternative practitioner in my hometown of Summerland in the Okanagan. And within about, I don't know, five minutes of being there, he said, I think you have a parasite. I think you've had it for two and a half years, which dates back to when I was traveling. And I, here's what you can do for it. And within about three months to the day, I was better and nothing else had really worked. Also in the middle of that, I was also diagnosed with celiac disease, which is kind of another point. So there were all these things where I started to need to be interested in my own health and wellness. So I decided to go back to school to become a holistic nutritionist, initially just out of personal interest and for myself. And then, and I was still working at the time. So I was doing this in the evenings. And I realized as I started to implement what I was learning about, I was able to perform better at work. And I was working at Unilever in a pretty high paced, stressful job at the time. But I noticed, okay, when I eat a little bit differently, I don't get that afternoon slump. I sleep better. Um, maybe, you know, I'm not getting rid of all my stress, but maybe I'm handling it a little bit better because eating to ba balance my blood sugar, for example. And I, at the time, this was um, 11 years ago now, we weren't really talking about health at work yet. You know, you spend eight to 10 hours of your day at an office and you're expected to take care of yourself like outside of work, but it's a separate sort of issue almost. And so I realized there was a real opportunity to pair my corporate background with holistic nutrition. Yeah, so interesting. I never want to disagree with a guest and it's not about disagreeing. It's perhaps your perspective from being on so many different sides of the spectrum. Where do you think the onus of one's health comes from on that dance of, of an employee versus a manager or I also hear like the onus of a company to provide benefits versus an employee to take care of themselves. And what comes up for me is it sounds so obvious. Let's help you eat these this way or these things and we will get more of you and you will get more of you. And like, that sounds so great. And then I think, where are we losing the responsibility factor? And I bring it up with you because I'm actually open to looking at it from a completely different lens or, you know, you're clearly in this work doing things differently. We haven't always had people like you inside of organizations. So mm -hmm. tell me more. I mean, it's a great question. And I think it really depends. I would say probably it's a shared onus because mm -hmm. an, a manager is not going to be able to 100% change the health of their employee, but they're also going to be able to influence the health, right? They are going to be able to help in some way. I actually heard a stat that aside from your partner, your manager influences your stress levels the most out of anyone in your life. <laughs> um, and so if we think about it that way, I mean, you could say that a manager does have the ability to influence health pretty significantly. But the way that I think about it, and I, I mentioned this at Disrupt HR is like, you know, HR person's probably thinking, why, why do I have to deal with this? Like, why am I responsible for what you eat? But we're not taught this yet in school, right? Most mm. people don't know this knowledge until they go through a health crisis themselves or they have a reason they need to care and yeah. so until you know our kids are learning about this in elementary school or in high school or maybe even like a university class on performance yeah sometimes the onus does fall on the the employer fair and just as you were speaking what came off my brain was like well if you haven't been taught to care yet who is going to teach you to care 
Mm-hmm. And it feels like this huge, I mean, like my brain went down the grocery aisle and like, we're going to shift packaged foods and we're going to shift sugar cereals. And we're going to like shift the marketing away from Fruit Loops as normal for breakfast to how am I going to eat so that I can still be performing at 4 p.m. at the end of a busy and stressful day? How do I go to sleep at night? When do I start work? I mean, there's a million pieces that come up. Specifically as it relates to food though, can you share... Where are the places and spaces that we can show up to care for people where they might not yet have, have learned to care for themselves? And what I mean by that is like you did mention mental health and burnout, sleep. Are there other places where you have been able to see a direct impact with food and performance specifically at work for that matter? For sure. So, I mean, food influences everything. <laughs> and I, I know I'm coming from a biased opinion as a nutritionist, but what we eat is either so let's let's think about breakfast. And if we have a high protein, some healthy fats and fiber in that breakfast, and we're not having something that's causing a huge blood sugar spike, what we're doing is we're balancing our blood sugar for the next few hours. And when we do that, we have better concentration, our mood is more stable, our energy levels are more stable. So we don't a couple of hours later actually get like a dip where then we're craving the donut or we're then actually going to spike our, our cortisol levels, which is a stress hormone. We are more likely to be able to handle something stressful that comes our way. So, you know, we're, we all have stress throughout the workday, right? But it is the difference between us saying, okay, yeah, I got this. This is a bit difficult, but here's what I'm going to do versus it derailing your day. And then later um, at the end of the day, maybe you're not, you don't sleep well over it. Like it's just this cascade of everything that goes about your day. You could take it even a step further um, and think about people maybe that are suffering from autoimmune conditions, for example. And there's a huge connection with our gut health and inflammation and autoimmune conditions. Somebody that has, let's say arthritis, and is sitting at their desk in pain, if there's a connection to their diet, which there isn't always, but a lot of the time there is, you know, what they had for breakfast could be exacerbating their symptoms and making it harder for them to focus at work because they're in pain. Or let's say they, you know, they're low in iron and their diet is influencing that they're low in iron. Well, then they're fatigued. So then they're going, they're, they're struggling to keep up with their day. You know, the, the list goes on. There's so many different things where it connects with uh, or influences your day. Yeah, totally. I'm very mindful of this mental health burnout conversation. And what re- one of the pieces that really stood out for me is that employers specifically are trying to help mental health in not, and it's not necessarily being absorbed. It's like they're throwing like, here's an online coach. And they're like, I don't want a coach or take a week off. And it's like a week doesn't solve the problem. And so is there anything specifically in that realm where you see correlation or you see opportunity or even tools to be having conversations about mental health and burnout a little bit differently? For sure. I mean, there's there's nothing more frustrating than us comprehensive wellness program to build resilience, but then the messaging from the organization is like, you need to be working 24 <laughs> seven because we can only do so much and move the needle if they're expected to respond to emails at midnight. Right. And so what we've started to do is not only is, you know, our program around nutrition, movement and mental health and building resilience and preventing burnout from that side of it, but we're also providing information to the managers around kind of like burnout etiquette and what not to be doing 
from a manager's perspective that's going to further uh, or make the burnout problem worse. So things like expecting responses from emails at even after five or six o'clock at night, right? It's fine if you want to send an email, but you put a little line in, at the bottom, no need to reply um, until tomorrow or till your next working or something like, that, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, you know, we run wellness challenges. And so sometimes mm-hmm. the theme of our wellness challenge is work-life balance. And so sometimes the an example of that could be we're telling people to set a time to end work and stick to it. Before we do that, we actually get have to get buy-in from the employer or from the company running the wellness challenge that that's okay. And we've had times where they're like, oh no, you're not good. You can't say that. <laughs> and so that's that's challenging, right? I, I would say 90% of our clients are like, yes, that's a that's a good thing to do. So it's not the majority. Mm-hmm. Um, but that has happened. And then you're really it's um they're saying one thing, but they're not really uh walking the walk, I guess, or walking the living, talk. yeah, living into it. Yeah. I'm hitting the pause button on this sweet episode to tell you about something that you might like. Our newsletter, we call it the Corkboard. It has all things juicy, whether you are looking to keep in touch between episodes or find out more about our coaching, development, or hot new jobs that we're working on. The link is in our show notes. Your inbox is sacred and your time is too. So now let's get back to the episode. I'm curious if you close your eyes and you think about life I want to say a year from now, and I'm like, maybe it's five years from now. What shifts do you see as being totally possible that may sound outlandish? And I'm inspired to ask you this question from your last one, which was like, if we all ended work at a certain time, how crazy would that be? You know, what other shifts do you see as being totally possible that might sound outlandish right now? That's a really good question. I What's coming to mind is around sort of the data that we have, or we're starting to get more of from our health and maybe Mm -hmm. making that more accessible to people. Because what we find when we work with clients or individuals one-on-one is that having health data that's personal to them is quite motivating to make change. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. an example of this that is near and dear to my heart right now is we're running continuous glucose monitoring programs for people. So they, they're not necessarily diabetic and that's, that's the difference where they wear a little glucose monitor for a month or so, and they see how, what they eat, their stress levels, their sleep is impacting their blood sugar. And we explain that, you know, blood sugar is, it affects all different aspects of, of your life and your body and your disease Mm -hmm. risk and your happiness and everything. I think that's so neat. And I think that I did wear a glucose monitor for a period of time. I'm not diabetic. It was related to sport and it was more fascinating on the days that had nothing to do with sport. And I remember distinctly, there's a delicious pizza shop in Whistler and they make the best vegan gluten-free pizza you could imagine. And I was like, this is amazing. And every time I had a, a bite of this pizza, I was like off the charts and I was like, gosh, like you can make it gluten-free and put dairy-free cheese on it. And it's still pizza. And it still has this thing called an epic spike. And (laughs) I just like, can't look at the pizza the same way. It's like, once you see the data, you just can't 
go back. And yeah, that's so, so powerful. And I can see a world where we talk about this, where we talk about our health and vitality, because I'm often reminded that of just how much we take it for granted. We take our health and vitality for granted, because when the moment comes that you're in a hospital, all of a sudden your inbox and your calendar and what you're going to do just doesn't matter. You just don't get your inbox while you're in the hospital bed. And I don't wish for rock bottom. I don't wish people to crash. Yet once you crash, then there is this road to recovery that also takes time. And I don't think we're planning for any of that. And yet, to your point, we're hearing about burnout and we're hearing about the mental health struggles that people are going through right now. And I know it will manifest in our bodies in ways that need other forms of of healthcare. And I don't think companies are set up for that. We're not ready for people to just leave tomorrow morning and be gone for three months and, and not know when they're going to return. And so I say all this because I think we're being called to care deeply and enormously. We are being called to care. So I want to get really personal because I feel like with people like you, there's expertise that it's like the nectar. I want the nectar and the juice. And I'm wondering... Of course, I don't want to pry anywhere that you're not comfortable sharing. Just as an entrepreneur, you're managing your own stress load. Can you give us any of your secrets or tips? What do you have for breakfast? How do you cut the afternoon crave? Like, how do you, what do you take on the road? What do you pack in the airplane? Like, what are the must haves from your lens, from the pro that we can try to copy to be (laughs) even a a fraction as healthy as you are? For sure. So my biggest tip high protein meals. And the reason for that is the blood sugar balance. And so that looks like having a couple eggs with breakfast, or if you're doing smoothies, making sure there's a plant-based protein in there to keep you full for longer. Um, if people are getting sugar cravings, 95% of them, it's either because their blood sugar is off or they're really burnt out. And so let's at least start with the blood sugar piece and get that protein up. I would say you're going to feel so much better when you've done that. So that's something that like every single time I'm eating, I'm like, what am I going to add to this meal that has protein? I really like to think about food. I don't like to think about it in a restrictive sense. I like to think about what am I adding to my meal? So people are always like, oh, but you know, I'm going to miss this or I'm going to miss that. And I've said, it's not about cutting those things. It's about adding. So let's add the protein. Let's add the healthy fat. Let's add the fiber. And then whatever else can fit on your plate, who cares? (laughs) Because then you've got those things that are going to fill you up. So when I was diagnosed uh, celiac and having to eat like 100% gluten free, it does make traveling harder and eating what I want to eat harder. So I started just planning a lot better in advance of being on the road and trips. And I have I've been made fun of a lot by my girlfriends. I'm the one that shows up, we go on an annual girls trip and I show up with like a huge Tupperware of my food on the plane. But then I'm the one that isn't like super hungry and I'm feeling good and it's worth it, right? It's a little bit of extra prep to make everything else go smoothly. And if you think about traveling for work, that's a really tiring thing to do. And so if you can be fueling better you're just building a little bit more resilience for that trip as well. Mm. And then I think the final thing to answer your question is actually rest and it's not food related. So Mm. yeah, as you say, being an entrepreneur and having my own business, it's a lot. And I also have two young kids. So it is a fine line, not 
entering the burnout phase myself. And, and I, I have before, and I know why it's when I'm burning the candle at both ends, I need to make enough time for myself to rest. And so, you know, if I do like a public speaking gig, or if I'm doing a lunch and learn in an office, I don't book anything for an hour or an hour and a half after because I need to decompress. I can't go right into another meeting. I'm quite introverted, actually, even though I do public speaking. And so I just, I, you know, I need that rest. But I had to learn that the hard way. And I think, like you said, it people don't often prioritize it until they absolutely have to. <laughs> totally. I think that we have also run some health challenges inside the Quarker Co. And my favorite health challenge has been to consume three gallons of water a day. And it feels like a lot of water. And I feel like that is something we don't talk enough about is hydration. And I realized we didn't touch on that yet. Do you have thoughts on like what a dehydrated population we are? Yes. Okay. So it's so funny because that's also one of the foundation challenges of our program too. And we say to drink two liters of water, give or take. I, I forget the gallon to liter conversion, but the thing with dehydration is even just a one to 2% dehydration in the body can influence focus, energy, concentration, physical performance. And you think the way that I explain it when I'm doing a lunch and learn on this is if you think about last night, hopefully you slept for seven or eight hours and you probably weren't drinking any water during that time. And if you think about the two to three hours leading up to bed, you probably weren't drinking a ton of water then because you didn't want to wake up and have to pee in the night. So you could have gone 8, 9, 10, 11 hours with very little liquid intake. Then you wake up and if you go straight to coffee or tea or straight to food, you are starting your day dehydrated. So you're literally just setting yourself up for an unsuccessful day or, or more of a struggle than you need to. And so the one of the biggest tips we give is to start the day with 500 milliliters of water before your coffee and tea and before your food. And we tell people to leave it on their nightstand so that it's super, super easy. It's like the first thing they see, they, they maybe probably reach for their phone, but they, in, in front of your phone is your water that you're, you're going to drink before you go on your phone. That feels like so many things. That's mental health. That's a better day. That's 500 milliliters of water, not 500 minutes on your phone before you start your day. Like, yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I feel like I could keep going and our time has come and I love these nuggets so much. I love the perspective. I love that we're having these conversations selfishly. I also love that you bring up like next to a partner at home, our managers have the opportunity to really make our lives wonderful or not so wonderful. And who are we being as leaders at work? Maybe we all need to become the leaders that care. And I'm here for that big time. So our last question, Mandy, is what is making your heart beat faster? What's making my heart beat faster is the glucose monitoring right now, because I really we're working on rolling out a pretty big program for it and getting more people involved. And it's very, very exciting because 15% of Canadians are either diabetic or pre-diabetic. And that's a huge, huge stat, right? Or a huge number. And so we really feel that by making continuous glucose monitoring by kind of normalizing it and bringing it to the non-diabetic crowd that we are going to make a real difference on people's energy, their mental health, their sleep, their whole gamut of health and really make Canadians 
healthier through this. So it's, it's really keeping me up at night in a great way. (laughs) I love it. Making Canadians healthier. One bite of protein, 500 milliliters of water at a time. Mandy, thank you for your time. Thank you for your glucose monitoring and thank you for caring. These are really important conversations and I'm glad you care like you do. Thank you for having me. And you know what makes my heart beat faster? The fact that I get to share with you that this podcast is brought to you in partnership with More Good Media. Our friends over at More Good Media are spreading the good word, one conversation, one podcast at a time. So thanks so much for your support. We are so glad to be here in partnership. Okay, before you go, you know, listening to podcasts on this thing called the internet, it's a wild ride. And what would be so helpful on our wild journey is if you would be so kind to jump on and give us a review. Four, maybe even five stars. It really helps. Thanks for joining us.